The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, hey, it's Friday, the weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today, running a little bit tardy. Like to get our shows out in the morning, but Friday is also the day that I don't have childcare. And then it being a holiday, things got a little bit further jumbled. And I also didn't want to mess with the actual Friday plan, which I can't really do until you actually get to Friday. I need the Thursday results, or I'd, you know, try to record the podcast at, at some point in the afternoon on, on Thursday. Uh, so, you know, I, I weighed the options on that one. I figured putting it out Friday afternoon was probably better because we're going to be breaking down Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sort of a look ahead. And then there's a lot that's a week in review. So for those of you that are new, first of all, hello, this is Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Happy New Year, everybody. I wished you all a happy new year on our last show, and now I actually get to say it for real. Like, I wanted you to have one, and now we're here, so hopefully you are having one. It's January 1st, 2021. I don't mean to be the buzzkill to start the new year, but just because the year turned over doesn't mean things change all that much. We got to do it ourselves, and we will continue to do so by doing good work on our basketball analysis. That's what this podcast is about. There are plenty of other things we can work on in our lives, but... As far as New Year's resolutions go, I think mine is to do a better job of trying to stay in touch with people. I fall out of touch very quickly. I have a lot of things going on in my own life. Not not bad things, just things. Things to do, responsibilities. It makes it hard to reach out to the people you care about. Check in on them. That's my resolution. Hopefully you guys are uh, working on some stuff as well. Uh, we all you know, take each year to, to try to get a little bit better, and why not this season as well? Uh, Hoopball, that's where we're from. We're Hoopball Show. Hoop-ball.com. Hoopball Fantasy is the Twitter feed. I want you guys to go check that out as well. Again, I am at Dan Bespris. want to start the show by letting you know we had an opening pop-up in our DFS department. Uh, we are uh, pulling from within, so there will be bodies probably moving around a little bit. But we are, once again, recruiting on the DFS side. If you're a DFS expert, hit me up. We have contributor spots open opportunity to sort of show your wares and grow with us here at Hoopball. The NBA's, our, uh, our DFS Today podcast is is absolutely taking off this year, and you guys are going to want to be a part of that. Great opportunity, frankly, to grow your online profile as a DFS uh, handicapper or expert or whatever the proper terminology is on that front. Uh, we're basically filled up on the sports betting side, at least for the NBA season. If you're a sports betting expert in non-NBA, there is definitely an opening for you guys here as well. But uh, hit me up at Dan Baspers on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, you can find me easier than spelling my last name by Google searching Dan from Hoopball. Our Friday shows, for those that are new, last year, and I really liked the way these went, were a week in review. Basically, the ads that I believed occurred over the previous week. The holds, those are guys that there may be some inclination to want to do something with, but you got to squat on them. Watch list guys that are probably on the waiver wire in your league, probably, but probably don't quite deserve a spot on the end of your roster yet. And then, unfortunately, there are the drops. I thought I would also add a new little something this year in buys and sells, apparently. And, and it's not going to be completely comprehensive because I, what I want to do is actually a little bit more of that on social media because there's 
frankly, more time to sort of come up with ideas on the fly. Once you're once you're in a podcast, I'm not going to pause it, go back and do a whole bunch of name hunting in the middle of the show. So I think this actually works out better where you can crowdsource things a little bit. So buy low, sell high stuff. We're going to touch on that on our Friday shows, but that's actually going to be reserved heavily for the social media sphere. So yet another reason to check out me and our website on social media. I also wanted to write down anytime a particular stat line jumped out to me as notable. I'm going to flip those into the mix as well. Those are not necessarily going to be good things, but they are going to be notable. So let's dive right on in. Um, we don't really do a Thursday recap on our Friday shows because by doing the week in review, we cover what happens on Thursday. Now, if there was a key injury, that would be something to look at. Uh, but in terms of, you know, the actual, the ups, the downs, that kind of stuff, that's going to be covered as we go through the buys, the low, the, the, excuse me, the highs, the lows, the holds, all that good stuff. The only real news that came out of yesterday's games was Evan Fournier got hurt for the Magic. He didn't make it past halftime with back spasms. Someone who has suffered from back spasms, myself, they uh, he could be fine in two days or he might need a week, week and a half, something like that. My guess is that he's probably okay. They have better treatment than whatever I got, you know, whenever you know I was 21 years old or whatever. And then now I can start to feel them beginning to spasm. And I wonder if that's kind of what he was going through as well. Like, it's starting to spasm. If I try to play through it, it's going to get really, really bad. And so, uh, the worst case scenario, a guy leaves ball game after playing eight minutes. So he uses up a games cap and then also takes a dump on his final box score. It's better for a guy to just miss the game entirely, uh, for Roto at least. And then with head ahead, he didn't really help you much because he didn't play enough for it to really matter. So that was really the only news from yesterday. You've got your scheduled rest days. There was an afternoon news break today that could impact Lowry Markkinen owners, and that is Chandler Hutchison of the Chicago Bulls did test positive for coronavirus. So that's why everybody was out on Chicago in their last game against Washington. We knew they were in the uh, the COVID protocols. We didn't know why. Now we do. It's because Hutchinson, Hutchison, excuse me, there's no, there's no middle N in that name, uh, tested positive for the, the coronavirus, so all those other guys are quarantining until we find out whether they do or do not have it, and hopefully the answer is they don't. DeAndre Hunter, who was questionable to play in the Hawks game tonight, is going to play, and that was pretty much the only other NBA injury news. Oh, excuse me, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is sitting out the game tonight, Friday night. Thought he would be back for that second game against the Lakers, but he's going to squat out both of those two things. And Jimmy Butler is expected to play for the Heat tonight, but that we sort of knew yesterday, so that's not new by any stretch of the imagination. So that's the news, nothing nothing earth-shattering. So let's dive on into the week in review, and we'll start with the good, the ads, the guys you want to have on your fantasy team that we learned about over basically the last 10 days, since we weren't really able to do this the first Friday of the NBA season. That was... Uh, Christmas Day, right? Yeah, it was Christmas Day last week. Uh, or was that Thursday? No, that was Friday. Sure, yeah, that was Friday. So nobody was paying attention anyway. <laughs> so this week, and we're only three days into the season. So this week, we're doing it the real way. The ads. So this will be everybody from the last 11 days, and I'll offer an explanation on most of these guys as we go through, because the critical ones, I think, deserve a little bit of analysis, as opposed to just launching headlong into the names and and rattling them off in list form. That's not useful for you guys. 
So we'll start at the top. These are in no particular order. This was me actually working uh, backwards chronologically Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and then Monday. So that's how the names ended up kind of getting organized. So stick with me on that. Uh, Justin Holiday is actually the first name on the list. I think he's an ad on the TJ Warren news, which I'm realizing I don't think we actually got a chance to talk about on the podcast. TJ Warren undergoing surgery yesterday, or I guess he's going to be undergoing surgery. I don't know if that's the fact if it's happened yet, but he's out indefinitely. So that's a massive kick to the groin for those that have TJ Warren. I didn't end up getting him in that many places because he was such a nine-category layup when healthy, but of course, he is now not healthy. I like Justin Holiday, and I'll tell you why. First of all, if you can hold on to TJ Warren, you have to, because he's he can hang around the top 50 when he's healthy. If someone dropped him, you probably want to consider a stash, at least until we get some kind of uh timetable which we we very much don't have yet um oh and there was other one other piece of news that i gotta flip out there after we talk about justin holiday and it it involves the denver nuggets who uh are without michael porter jr because of contact tracing related stuff so that's protocol but it doesn't sound like he's uh, a guy that tested positive sounds like maybe he came in contact with him but we'll talk about that in a second uh the reason i like justin holiday is because he's safe and you guys know with me, I'm always eyeballing that guy that sort of has the the track record and has done it before. And for Holiday, when he gets those extra couple of minutes or touches or whatever it turns out to be, he almost always winds up around the edge of the top 100. And so far this year, his numbers are down because he's only taking 6.8 shots in 26 minutes per ball game, where last year... Uh, he was actually right around that mark as well, 6.7 shots in 73 minute or uh, 73 games, 25 minutes per game. Uh, the previous year with Memphis, he split his time remember between Chicago and Memphis. The shots were higher, the shot volume was higher, and that allowed him to sort of make up for the fact that he doesn't do a whole lot else on the basketball court. In addition, with the Bulls early that year, he was averaging some 2.4 combined defensive stats. Last year with Indiana, he was at 1.8. This year, he's actually 1.8 combined defensive stats as well. So he's not all that far off his career norms right now. The thought would be, can he sort of, uh, well, the free throw percent will likely come up. He's career mid-80s or higher lately, and he's at 71% so far this year. The rebounds are always going to be low. Turnovers are going to be low. Steals are going to be high. He's only at 0.8 three-pointers per game right now. And that's the thing that, to me, is showing signs or, or will will eventually spike. Because this is a guy that takes generally about two-thirds of his shots from downtown le- lately in his career. So, so far this year, he's, he's actually going to the rim a little bit more often. Those three-pointers will come up. And if indeed he is going to get to do a little bit more with no TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb out for a while still yet, uh, he becomes an interesting kind of long streamer as a nine-cat roto type of guy. He's not really going to move the needle in head-to-head because you're probably not that concerned about winning turnovers anyway. Although, again, you get his production in a four-game week, something like that. The low turnovers could actually be kind of helpful. He is uh, arguably the least exciting player on this list, but of course he came up first because I was working my way backwards and the TJ Warren stuff was kind of the first thing I hit. So let's talk a little bit more uh, about Michael Porter Jr. before we get into the rest of the ads. We don't have a whole lot on that story all we know is that he's out for tonight and probably additional time uh because uh, the league's contact tracing process uh put him in the bucket 
Um, what it means for the Nuggets is that guys like Will Barton, Gary Harris, Jermichael Green, who's back, will get more touches. He'll get to do more stuff. And they'll find a way. They have Jamal Murray. They have Nikola Jokic. It's not going to be a, a game changer for Denver. But obviously, Michael Porter Jr. was off to a really good start this year. He had a 30-10 and 10 game uh, in the loss to Sacramento when Jamal Murray didn't make the or made the trip but didn't play it'll just you know it'll just be more Murray I would have to guess and Jokic in this one the one thing I would worry about and we'll you know the fact that we haven't heard anything additional yet and as Michael Porter Jr. news came out uh early this morning leads me to believe that no one else on the Nuggets is impacted which makes this extremely odd it, it would hint it would suggest that perhaps something happened in a non-team-related activity. That is, Michael Porter Jr. maybe had an exposure at home. Well, I don't know where he's living, friends, family, whoever it might happen to be, or something in the community. But we will wait and see. Keep your eye on Denver. Uh, like Chicago, they're down a number of people because of a one a player tested positive, and so everybody that that player contacted, they're in quarantine as well. If this happens with Denver, then things shift pretty dramatically, and you're looking at maybe a week or two where some random goober. Like, what if Paul Millsap uh, and Jermichael Green end up having to go into quarantine? You know, there, there's just, like, there's no power forwards left. So you start looking for weird replacements that you could get a couple of weeks is really interesting production out of. But for now, mostly just, you know, it sucks if you have Michael Porter Jr. because I don't believe most websites immediately drop him into the injured list with this news. The way that, you know, like a TJ Warren, he gets the injured tag because the, he's out for a while, and we know it. This is why, by the way, I don't have IL spots in my Roto Leagues. I don't. I think it's a pain in the butt. You're reliant on the website to tell you when you can injured tag someone. I think it's more useful to just make extra bench slots. Your league should be using a deeper bench anyway. Make it harder. Make the games cap higher. Make your league have to uh, compete more. But that's a discussion for a different day. We'll get into league settings on another show. I got too many players to go over. Another ad. Otto Porter Jr., baby. Oh, yes. And listen, the reason I'm celebrating this one is because I stuck my neck out. I did. This was like the... Everybody kept telling me I was stupid because he's older and he's injury-prone and he's out of shape. And I said, wait, guys. Just wait. They're ramping him up. Patrick Williams... Everybody's like, oh, he's game-ready. Rookie, game-ready. No, rookie's really... Fully NBA ready, aside from those transcendent superstars. So when Patrick Williams had one good game to start the year, and everybody was like, he's the guy, there was this, there had to be this moment, this this little twinge in the back of your, uh, somewhere in your brain that was like, well, is this really the long-term plan? Like, Otto Porter, why is he not starting? Well, he's out of shape. So they put him in the bench unit so they could work his minutes up, and, and they are trending up. People are like, well, he's getting, seeing more minutes because Larry Markkinen is out. Yeah, probably a couple more touches, I would think, because Markkinen is out, but I don't know that the minutes are all that different. Uh, you see, we talked about it in the previous game. It was Garrett Temple's minutes. who Those spiked when Markkinen went out. Temple went from playing 21 to 28 minutes a game the day that Markkinen missed those uh, seven or eight minutes towards the end of the ballgame when he got hurt. And so then Temple played 28 minutes in their most recent ballgame again. Otto Porter got 31. Thad Young saw 27 
minutes in this ballgame. By the way, he hit the he came very close hitting the Thad Marvin line there. And if he continues to start and play or come off the bench and play 27 minutes, he's worth a look. I just the people that are like, oh, Otto Porter is straight from Larry Markinen's bucket. Nah, Markinen's bucket went to Thad Young and Garrett Temple. Porter took his minutes from Patrick Williams, who might be coming off the bench before too long if Otto continues to ramp up his conditioning like this. So keep a close watch on uh, how his minutes go on a game-to-game basis. Do they hold him back here in the second half of a back-to-back while they're getting him into game shape? Either way, the reason I called him such a strong ad even before he had this big breakout game was because he's done it before. He's the one guy. He was like one of, okay, not the only one. He's one of very few guys that was out there on the waiver wire where you were like, this is a guy who in his career has been a top 30 fantasy player in starters minutes. So take a few minutes away from that. He doesn't fall from top 30 to top 150. He's still staring down the barrel of a 75 rank not too hard this year. If he's if he's remotely healthy. Alfred Payton, next man on the list of pickups. Not only because every other point guard in New York is seemingly deceased right now, but because they're just better when he's on the floor. Payton's minutes were down in their game against Toronto. I didn't have a chance to watch that game live, so I didn't see what exactly was happening, but they got whipped. They're better when he plays. The problem, of course, with Alfred Payton is that even when he's having good ball games, he's still not really having good ball games from a fantasy perspective. Because look at him now, right now. He's averaging 12, 4, and 4.5, and, and he's outside the top 250 because he's shooting 0% at the free throw line, committing three turnovers a game, only hitting one three pointer. He has not blocked a shot yet, but that's not really what you're looking for out of a point guard. But he also only has 0. .6 steals. I'll give Alfred this. As a starter, as a guy playing, shouldn't say as a starter, because he's been a starter. As a guy playing starters minutes, that's a better way to phrase it, he's been more in the neighborhood of like 16 to 18 points a game. That probably won't quite stick. Uh, more like six assists instead of four and a half. He's still not getting steals yet. And he, and he has actually had five three-pointers in three games, his last three games. He's also missed, and it's it's not even like, you know, it's not like one or two free throws anymore. He's missed five free throws this year without a make. And I know he's bad, but he's redefining bad with his foul shooting. So the assists, the steals, you know, those are going to come up. Foul shooting will come up. Field goal percent, three-pointers, those probably trend back down a little bit. And at the end of the day, he'll be a late-round point guard, which is useful because assists are kind of hard to find, and he'll give you a few. So I'm putting him on the list. Josh Hart is on the list. His ranking is not that great so far this year. Uh, for a couple of reasons. He's at 155 on the season, partially because his first game of the year was not good, partially because he had a 3.6 rebound dud when they got destroyed by the Phoenix Suns earlier this week, um, but also because his percentages are sort of off a little bit right now. He's shooting 44% from the field, which is not that crazy for Josh Hart. He's not a big field goal percent guy, uh, and his free throw percent is also not that great. But his steals are down right now. It, normally, him playing 29 minutes a game, you'd expect him to be at about 1.1, 1.2 steals per game. His three-pointers are a little bit down from last year. He was at two per game in 27 minutes. He's at 1.4 in 29 minutes this year. Generally, his field goal attempts are just down 
this year. And so I hope that some of that stuff, usage basically, would trend up a little bit. Also, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but he's actually averaged 0.4 blocks per game throughout his career. This would be, right now, his highest minute per game total of his career, and he hasn't yet blocked a shot. So if all of that stuff levels out, he cruises towards the edge of the top 100, and those guys are useful. That's a ninth-round pick. You'd love to go higher, but in a competitive league, that's a guy that should be in your in your lineup. He should be your ninth starter out of ten. Lugans Dort. Lugans Dort. Lou Dort is a pickup without question. I know he had uh, he struggled a little bit. He's number seventy-eight. He struggled in his last ball game with eight points, three boards, and a steal in only seventeen minutes of a blowout loss to New Orleans, and that is a risk with Oklahoma City, because when they win, it's by accident almost this year. They don't really want wins. They have 20,000 draft picks over the next half decade. So it actually behooves them for them and everybody else in the league to lose because they have everybody else's pick too. Uh, that said, in a competitive ball game, Dort's going to be seeing around 30 minutes per game. He does seem to have improved his stroke from three-point land. It looks like his tenacious defense is translating towards steals a little bit. It was one of my my big fears with Dort was that he's so good in his on-ball defense, but does he collect steals? Like, is his guy even going to be handling the basketball if he's shutting them down? Does he jump passing lanes? It's not super clear that that's going to happen. He's a 70-some-odd percent free-throw shooter, so that's not going to help you much. His field goal percent will trend down from where it's at so far this year. So he is he's, a, he's an ad, make no mistake, he's an ad, but he's also a little bit of a sell-high guy if you can get something for him because this is probably about as good as it gets in the early going so far this year. And his teammates are actually on this list as well. Darius Baisley, who's ranked number 180, but for some reason everybody is salivating over Baisley. I tried to warn you guys, uh, Baisley has the, uh, and I, I got to come up with a new term for this Butterface fantasy thing that I talked about earlier this week. Baisley has gaping issues in his fantasy game. Uh, for one, he's not a proven great foul shooter by any stretch. He was 70, 90, and then 80%, or in last year's regular season, postseason, he shot 90%, limited sample size, and he's at 80 so far this year. So I don't know where the hell that's going to settle. Uh, last year, he shot about 40% from the field. He's at 38 so far this season. I don't know that that's going all that far up. Bad field goal percent guy. Um, steals and blocks, he does seem to get. 0.7 blocks, 0.4 steals in 18 minutes a game last year. I don't think you can just immediately stretch those out to per 36s, but I think you can probably take him from 1.1 to, uh, or he's at 1.8 combined steals and blocks right now. That's probably pretty reasonable. Nine points and eight rebounds. You know, you would hope that I'd be actually kind of surprised if he sticks at eight rebounds. That's a lot, but he is a very good rebounding wing type player. And then the nine points, I would hope that that trends up this year. So he'll probably be better than he is right now. And the reason he's a pickup is because he's playing 30 minutes a game on a team that, you know, there's there aren't options. Nobody on that team knows what the hell they're doing right now. So he's an ad, but I don't know that you need to start him yet. Meanwhile, George Hill, who doesn't get nearly the love he deserves, is an ad and a start, I believe. In only 24 and change minutes per game so far this year, he's number 91, and that includes the dud against New Orleans the last time out, which makes him basically one of their best fantasy players to this point. He's averaging 14, 3, and 4 with a steal and two threes, 55% from the field, 
and uh, only 71% at the free throw line. So that number is actually going to come up. He's just an efficiency monster who hits threes, gets steals, gets assists, doesn't score a ton, but he'll be asked to do more this year on a young team. And they need him out there, or it's going to be blowouts every single night. So I totally dig George Hill. I have him in a number of spots. I think he's going to be one of those very quietly super useful dudes for your fantasy team. Everyone in your league is going to underrate him. So he's one of those last guys to get scooped up this sort of first week of interesting fantasy stuff. And he's going to be like, he's like I said, you know, guys around the top 100. That's a That's a ninth rounder. He's an eighth rounder right now. He's playing like an eighth rounder and I could see it stick. Because field goal percent will come down from 55. Free throw will come up. Two three-pointers, that's doable. 14 points, probably a little high. 3.7 assists, he could probably get up to four. One, 1. 1.0 steals, I could actually see that go higher. He's always been a good steals guy. His arms are very long. He's listed at 6'3", but I'm fairly certain his wingspan is about seven feet. Uh, he's always been able to get a ton of steals when he's actually seen playing time. You know, 1.2-ish. So not, like, blow you away James Harden-type steals, but you know, throw him out there for 24, 25 minutes, he could hang around one steal a game for sure. So I actually like George Hill a lot. Jay Crowder is a pickup. Um, he was a guy that I was targeting among the old man squad, so those of you that listen to the podcast, you probably had him already. But, of course, after that 2.3 rebound, 3 assist game against Sacramento... It's highly likely he got dropped in a lot of leagues. Um, I have him in a couple of spots, not a ton, just because you sort of need to you need to need a particular thing, which for him is three pointers, uh, some rebounds, some steals, super low turnovers. He is very much a three and D nine cat roto type of guy, uh, but he's ranked around eighty right now, and these are pretty. Uh, I think he can replicate these numbers most of the season. He's only at 12 points, five and a half rebounds. That's not that crazy for a dude playing 29 minutes a game. Uh, when you look at what he did in Miami last year, he was at 12 points, five and a half rebounds, and 1.3 steals while shooting over his head. In Memphis, he shot under his head and had 10.6 rebounds, a steal, and a little under two three-pointers per game. So, uh, Jay Crowder, yeah, I mean, to me, he's he's kind of an obvious ad wherever you can he's he's very clearly an inside the top 100 guy with a starter's job in phoenix i know he's not fun but sometimes we we look past good to find fun when you should just have good and he'll be good like listen okay i'll make this caveat if you already have Otto porter if you already have terrence ross um who else is in that same bucket of player? You know what I'm talking about. That that type of guy, kind of three and D-ish. Porter, of course, have the, has the additional upside. We talked about Josh Hart, Lou Dort. Like, if you have all of these guys, you don't need all of these guys because they, they fulfill relatively similar fantasy needs for your team. Josh Hart, a little bit more rebounding. Crowder, a little bit more three-pointer-y. Dort, unclear. <laughs> It's unclear. Otto Porter, just a little bit more of everything. George Hill, slightly different stat set. That's why I think we emphasized him a little bit more because efficiency wasn't really what you were getting out of those other guys we were talking about. I put Derek White on this list in case you were in a league where he got passed over or dropped when we had no idea what his timeline was, but he is back all of a sudden. 
completely out of the blue. He's back. He's playing tonight. Probably not a ton of minutes, but he's in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's that's a thing now. So, yeah. Um, I don't talk much about him because I don't think he's going to be available in most leagues. Miles Bridges is on my chart here. Miles Bridges has put together a series of very good basketball games, and suddenly he's ranked inside the top 40. There is a lot that will not continue game over game. Um, the rebounding, for instance, he's at eight rebounds a game in only 25 minutes. That's way down from his career per minute production level. Uh, the blocks are way up from his career per minute stuff. So that'll come back down. Steals are actually only a little bit up. So, you know, you could see that slight variance. Field goal percent, three-point percent, free throw stuff, all of that is above his mark. Still, he deserves to be added because if he can keep it going in even in some facsimile of what he's doing right now, he's not going to be top 40, but, you know, there's a, there's a route to top 90, top 80 for him if some of this stuff holds on a little bit. Dillon Wright is on my list. Somehow he keeps landing on and off of waivers in fantasy leagues because everybody keeps expecting him to just explode for 15, 16 points every game. That's not his game. You have to be okay with the fact that there are going to be a lot of ball games where he scores a bucket, where he scores like five points while hitting one field goal and a couple of free throws because his other stuff is where the money's made. He'll get you three or four rebounds. He'll get you four assists. He'll usually get you one to one and a half steals per game and some blocks, a couple of threes, not many. He's not a big three-point shooter. His percentages are going to be pretty good. He's a roto guy. And he is a very high-ceiling defensive category guy. So when all of that levels off this year, he's playing 28 minutes a ball game. If he gets that many minutes on a nightly basis, he will cruise into massive fantasy value this year. But right now, he's averaging 0.8 blocks and only 0.3. He has one steal in four ball games so far. So really 0.25. Yahoo doing a job of rounding us up there. Um, the other stuff, very easy to keep going where he's at right now and then adjust that 0.3 steals up to about 1.3 or even higher and he becomes a pretty damn valuable fantasy asset. I don't know why the hell he was getting dropped. Mason Plumley, his teammate, that's a pretty obvious one now. We've been talking about him for a week and a half on this podcast, but he's on the list because we're recapping the last 10 days. Um, he's just he's just been solid so far. He's doing everything they ask of him. He's uh, hauling in rebounds. I think it's the time of recording this podcast. He's played half the first quarter and already has uh, a bucket, three rebounds, an assist, and a block. And he'll just sort of be there. Quietly, the whole way through. Good Lord, look at Jeremy Grant. Wow. Off and running. Oh, nice to see Brandon Clark actually knock down a jumper here in the early going. <laughs> uh, ball game's getting going as we're doing the podcast. That's actually fairly new. That is new for us. Not used to having stuff happening while we record the show. Last one on the list of ads is Darius Garland. Again, he's another guy that's been uh, pretty easily on people's teams at this point. That's uh, that's a non a non factor. Just like Plumley, these guys have been good for a week and a half. But again, we're covering the full week and a half. Let's transition into holds now, guys that have gotten off to perhaps you might call them slightly slow starts. You might see people starting to panic a little bit. They're not so great that there's no question because those guys are by lows. These are guys that were drafted a little bit later 
and might end up on waiver wires. And Wendell Carter Jr. is the first. He started to play a little bit better his last couple of ball games. Uh, but overall, it's been a spotty start. He's number 176 in nine category leagues while averaging 12.5 and 8.5. Defensive stats have not been there yet. He's missed a bunch of free throws in the early going. He's very much a hold. Um, 28 minutes a game is is strong. He got outplayed for part of yesterday's game, Thursday's game by Daniel Gafford, but still managed 16-5 and five in that zero defense uh, hack job of a basketball game. He'll be okay. I just sort of want to repeat, this is who he is. He's a 12-8 and eight guy. I don't think he's going to have that takeoff year, but that still makes him a hold. Davis Bertans is another hold because he's on a minutes cap and his legs are not there at all. Davis shooting 30% so far this year. And I get it. He takes a lot of three-pointers, but last year he hit 42% of his three-pointers and shot 43% from the field overall. This is an aberration from a young man who doesn't have his legs underneath him. He's still attempting a crap ton of three-pointers. When he gets his legs under him, he's going to rocket boost into the moon. If you can buy low on Bertans, I would strongly suggest doing so because his owner's probably a little annoyed about Davis going 0 for 8 in their game on New Year's Eve. Another hold list is Boogie. Someone was like, should I drop Boogie? I'm like, dude, you saw him play one game, his first game in like two years. Patience. Not that he's going to have a monster year, but he is a monster per game guy so chill the bleep out people he's going to play more minutes than you saw in that last ball game it'll ramp up for him to what number i don't know for sure but they gave him some money to go play so they're gonna let him go play boogie played what 14 minutes eight points a rebound three assists in 14 minutes this is a guy that can rack up stats get him into the 20s must own guy that's all you need. So just patience. It might not happen, but patience, for goodness sake. Nerland's Noel, I put on my hold list, and this is a guy who deserves a segment. It's been bumpy so far for Nerland's. There is no doubt about that, and I'm not here to try to tell you that it's going to be a great year because it looks like we got deked a little bit by uh, Nerland's getting some starts during the preseason. Uh, Mitchell Robinson historically not being a massive minute-per-game guy, but Tom Thibodeau has gone back to his old ways. He's giving Mitch Rob as many minutes as he can handle as a starter, and that's only leaving, right now, about 15 off the bench for Noel, which is not enough, by the way. If you can get him up to 18 to 20, then he creeps inside the top 100. Last year, I believe he was in the around the top 75 in about 18, 19 minutes per game, so he's not that far off. Uh, right now, his defensive per-minute production is down, and so you'll see that probably adjust by itself. For instance, last year, in 18 and a half minutes a game for Oklahoma City, he was at 2.5 combined defensive stats, 7.5 points, 5 rebounds. Also of note this year, field goal percent for Nerlens is way down uh, at 50%. He was at 68% last year in Oklahoma City. So a lot of things should trend up for him. Also, two turnovers a game? Get out of here with that insanity. Get out of here with that insanity. You know that number's coming down. He's not a ball handler. So a lot of things will break in a better direction. Is it going to be enough to get him anywhere near where we wanted him? Probably not, but it doesn't take much for him to go from top 200 to top 100. The turnover's leveling off, him playing about four more minutes per game, uh, and starting to make a few shots. Hopefully dunks. 
So hold on Nerlens Noel. Hold on Norman Powell. We got a taste of what he can do with a few more minutes yesterday, Thursday, with Pascal Siakam suspended for the ballgame, and Norm was very good. Uh, Powell played 34 minutes, had 17-4-1 with three defensive stats, a couple of three-pointers, uh, super efficient from the field. He hit his free throw. You know, he, he's still, on the year, his, he's still struggling mightily. He's number 208, but he was actually in the around number 300 prior to yesterday's ballgame. So, you know, that's how quick things can turn here. And, and maybe this was what he needed to wake up. You know, maybe this was the game that now gets him out of his funk and Siakam comes back and, you know, Noel gets his 26, 27 minutes that he should have been getting all along anyway and does what he's supposed to with him. So you got to hold to see how that goes. Like that kind of game you just saw yesterday. Again, I should say Thursday because I know this is a weekend podcast. That's, that's the reason that we told you guys to draft him. So again... This all means exercise patience. P.J. Washington, I put on the hold list, although I, I'll admit I'm not the world's biggest P.J. Washington fan. His fantasy game scares me in general. Uh, he's off to a good start in the ballgame tonight, Friday night, with eight points in the first quarter. Uh, but he's got to be a hold because he's a starting power forward. He's seeing center minutes when Bismack Biombo. <laughs> Stupid. Can't believe he's a starting center again. When Bismack Biombo is on the bench, P.J. can slide over, play a little center. Um, there's just, there's too many ways for him to get to fantasy value. The problem is his percentages stink. It's hard to be a nine cat roto guy when your percentages suck and his are bad and they haven't really shown any signs of improving. He's at 43% from the field and 56 at the free throw line so far this year, which I realize, you know, those probably both go up a little bit, but last year was at 45 and a half and 65 on percentages. So even if he got back to those marks, you're still fighting it. The reason that he's a likable fantasy asset is that he averaged about a steal and a block last year in 30 minutes, and he's right around that in 26 minutes per game this year. So that gives him upside, but you just can't be a boulder. You can't be a stone waiting the ship down in the ocean uh, in both percentages. you got to at least be okay at one of them. Oh, look at the Pistons putting it on the Celtics here on New Year's Day. Kind of wondered if Boston might be cruising in this ballgame. Now, anyway, long way to go on that one. Long way to go on all of them. And Will Barton is the last player on my holds list for today's show. Um, he's, he's settling into his role. He'll be fine. He didn't play in a really long time, so there's a conditioning element happening there as well. Before we get to watch list, guys, there, again, there's a lot to cover here on this weekend show. Watch list, guys, by the way, dudes that I said are okay but not good enough to put on your team yet. You just stick them... Put the actual, hit the little button to star them on your screen and, and keep an eye on them. Before we get to the watch list, guys, uh, I want to take a moment to remind you that the Hoopball Discord is available not just for fantasy, but for betting and DFS as well. Any monthly subscriber, plural, any members of our monthly subscription plans at Hoopball have access to our Discord channels. If you have the Fantasy Pass, for instance, that actually includes the DFS pass inside of it, you get access to the Fantasy and DFS Discord rooms. If you have HP 360, Hoopball 360, you get all of the Discord rooms. Fantasy, DFS, and wagering. The wager pass obviously gets you the wagering rooms. There has been a lot of clamoring for Discord because the access to the pros is the best in the business, and it's so cheap and they're so affordable. you got to check it out. Uh, I, you know, I'm doing handicapping 
heavily, much more heavily this year, much like I did about a decade ago with pregame. So I'm cruising around all of these rooms all the time. We have live chats in all of them. DFS live chats leading up to lineup lock fantasy, full season fantasy live chats at 7 p.m. nightly. Wagering our, our handicapping team. Those guys are answering questions all day long on your picks, on their picks. It's just fantastic. So go to hoop-ball.com. That's just one out of the million things you're getting in these monthly packages. The wager pass, for instance, right now. These guys, my goodness, myself too. I'm actually having a, a, a really nice stretch crushing it the last few days. Troy, Troy Markowski, man, he's up 11 units in the NBA in only 10 days. I'm up 4.7. I thought I was doing pretty well so far, and Troy's just blowing me out of the water. I'll get you yet, Troy. Wager Pass is $9.99 a month. You get seven handicappers plays every day for $9.99 a month. I did the, I did the math. It's about $0.05 cents per play over the last month. That, that's how many plays be- between the whole team were given out uh, as the NBA season gets going. It's, it's like, it's crazy. I think there's, what are we even looking at today? I, I had it open earlier, but I, now I've lost the window. I think there's like, I think there's like somewhere between 10 and 20 plays today alone in it. Check it out. Hoop-ball.com. Get a monthly membership. Come on, guys. Do it for me, for Dan. And, uh, and then go sign up for an account over at mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. Promo code HoopBall. And then hit me up. I may have a prize for you. I may have a cash prize for you if you hit me up. Mybookie.ag. Make sure you use promo code HoopBall or I can't get you that cash prize. And hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespers. Let me know you did it. And I can get you in a contest, get you in a run in here, get you a little cash. Oh, yes. Digging on it. All right. Let's jump on into watch list, guys. We'll start to move a little bit faster now because. Um, you know, the reasoning is still important, but but not quite as make or break. Watch this, guys, for me. Here's a six-name list. Rui Hachimura, DeAnthony Melton, Tyus Jones, Robert Williams, Avery Bradley, and Tyrese Halliburton. That's my list of watch list guys right now. Uh, Hachimura likely is going to be picked up. He looks stronger. I'll give him that. But there is going to be a constant struggle in uh among that that unit in Washington for other guys to do enough and for Hachimura his fantasy game isn't that robust where we saw last year he's not getting many many steals or blocks not hitting a ton of three-pointers he's mostly points rebounds which probably are going to get hurt with Westbrook around this year and then decent percentages and so you you just you have to do a lot when those are the things you're you're an impact guy and so if there's not enough volume there that makes it tough. D'Anthony Melton is a guy we're watching along with Tyus Jones because uh, John Morant is out. Melton, we know, has a really nice fantasy stat set, but he's still on the COVID protocol, so keep one eye on that one. I don't know that you need to use up a roster spot for either of those guys right now. Uh, and certainly between the two of them, I'd rather have Melton, but I also would rather he be playing. I put the Time Lord on here for largely for games when Tristan Thompson is out. That's where he's been doing more of his damage blowouts and, and games where the other centers are... Uh, unavailable, Daniel Tice being one of those other listed guys, but he does have a really neat fantasy game if he could see the playing time to utilize it. It just doesn't seem to be consistent enough here in the early going. Avery Bradley is on the list, and we'll maybe learn more about him by later on today. Bradley now uh, playing with uh, Jimmy Butler back, picked up a couple of quick fouls, so this game will be one to 
torpedo whatever Bradley watch we had going on there, and that's why he's on the watch list, by the way. And then Tyrese Halliburton, because uh, he's a really good rookie, and it seems like over the course of the year, Sacramento's going to want to use him more and more. Uh, and so let's keep a watch on that because he's probably not too heavily owned in leagues. Teams might be sitting on him. Played 27 minutes in their loss at Houston on Thursday. 11 points, couple of steals. He's not gonna he's not gonna lead the offense very much. So it's gonna be hard for him to rack up true fantasy value. Um, you know, if you're a point guard, you sort of need to be getting assists, and he, he's not getting a ton of them yet. But he's, he is ranked inside the top 75 already, and it uh, looks like they're going to give him pretty consistent playing time. So, you know, put him on the watch list. He might be owned in your league already because people love rookies. My guess is he probably bounces on and off of waiver wires a little bit this year. But with Sacramento playing at blinding speed offensively, he, uh, he, he could be better sooner than later. And my drop list... J.J. Redick losing the battle for sixth man on New Orleans. There's not enough there for seven. Joe Ingles, uh, same kind of thing. Just can't do enough coming off the bench. He'll have a good game every once in a while. Troy Brown Jr. in Washington, same issue with Russ around. Ain't enough for anybody else. Ain't enough for anybody else. DeAndre Jordan's a drop because, and we just got additional data on this today. We already saw that he was stinking, and Jared Allen was playing more than him, and then Steve Nash came out and said, look, DeAndre Jordan's the starter but Jared Allen's going to play more minutes. I think we'll know by later tonight whether or not Lonnie Walker's a drop. He's on my drop list because I figure Derek White's about to take his minutes, but we can wait one night to see how that starts to develop. The Mavericks' big men are on my list of drops because it continues to look as though no one on that team in the big man department is going to separate themselves. Dwight Powell's not really doing enough. Dorian Finney-Smith has those weird issues with his fantasy game. Maxi Kleba's not playing enough to be fantasy relevant, so I'm punting for now. We'll obviously continue to check their box scores nightly, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And then Paul Millsap in Denver. With Michael Porter Jr. out, maybe there's a minor surge for him, but he's turned his fantasy game has become that of a fairly efficient guard, but not one who's willing to take many shots. So out on Paul Millsap couple of buy-low guys. Yusuf Nurkic, Rob Covington, Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and Brooke Lopez. We've talked about a few of those names before. Uh, Nurk, we've talked about as someone who's going to play himself into shape. Covington is Rob Covington right now, but he's just cold. Same thing for Kelly Oubre. These are like the easiest buy-low recommendations I've ever given out. Ricky Rubio, I'm calling a buy-low. I-, I think he's a guy that's going to slowly ramp up his minutes in Minnesota. I bet he has a pretty good game tonight in a high-scoring affair. I expect this to be... This podcast, probably you listening to it, this is your last chance there. And then Brooke Lopez, he'll be fine. Milwaukee needs Brolo. They've had a bunch of blowouts so far, and he hasn't really found his rhythm yet. He'll be fine. And Jalen Brown is actually my one-sell-high guy right now because there's, I think, a feeling that he's taken one massive additional leap, and some of that is the fact that he put up a 42-point game, but he's scoring a lot right now. He is number 19, averaging 28 points per game on 56% from the field. He is in prime regression position. Uh, His defensive stats, far and away, a career high right now. He's at 2.4 combined. He's never averaged more than 1.5 in starters minutes. Guys just don't become that. So that's coming down. Scoring's coming down. 3-point percent, field goal percent, all coming down over the next, 
I don't know how long. You might see rebounds actually trend up a little bit. Uh, assists will probably come down. And then at some point, Kemba Walker's coming back, and that's going to put another ding on it. So if you can convince someone that Jalen Brown is a second or third round guy, and you can go get a second or third round guy for him, go do it. Like, see if you can get DeAndre Ayton for Jalen Brown right now. See what happens. See what happens. You'll thank me later. Let's say, trust me. Use the, We'll use the Arnold stuff. Trust me. You'll thank me later. And my notable, I had to get a notable in there. My notable was P.J. Tucker on Thursday night. 32 minutes, 6 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks. Not one shot attempted. Ha! Oh, I love it. That is so P.J. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, P.J. Take a shot, man. Take a shot, P.J. Take a shot, Peach. That's ridiculous. Hey, Brandon Clark putting it together so far for the hapless Grizz. They're playing well in Charlotte. New Year's Day, man. Who the hell knows what's going to happen in these ballgames? Nobody. Not me. We try. Let's take a look towards the weekend. Um, because looking at tonight's ball games might... Well, you know what? Let's go through all of them because we don't have betting lines for the weekend games yet. We Or we do have a few, but this podcast is also getting... A little bit long in the tooth, so we'll move through at a pretty good clip. Here's what I'm watching for on Friday. I don't think my betting thoughts are going to be all that useful for you guys because most of these games are going to be going by the time you listen to this podcast. Um, I had a slight lean to Charlotte, mostly because Memphis can't guard anybody, but there was something about that game that scared me, so um, I ended up making a play, but kind of a small one. Looking at the under between Atlanta and Brooklyn, uh, and then there are a couple other angles later in the card. Those are games that are actually already going right now. From a fantasy standpoint, I uh, don't really care what's going on in Boston. With Detroit, you're always tracking guys like DeLon Wright. Um, you're tracking Josh Jackson in the starting unit. Uh, Jeremy Grant, his continued growth, which is just uh, uh, incredible right now, how many shots he's taken per game. Uh, no Blake Griffin for that team these days as well. Uh, not much else you're tracking on that Detroit team. From Memphis, can anybody really do much in the fill-in department for John Morant? Tyus Jones is going to have to fill that role right now because there isn't really another point guard to do it. Kyle Anderson does a lot of ball handling, slow-mo from uh, that starting unit, and then you're, you're, out, you're definitely watching Brandon Clark to see if he can start to get those shots to drop. It does look like he's starting to get his legs underneath him a little bit, and all of a sudden, he comes roaring at you. Hornets side, uh, LaMelo Ball. He's coming off a big ball game. We'll see if he can continue that stuff. I, I'm not uh, I'm not super worried about this team either way. I think you can mostly just check the box score at the end and get a pretty good feel for it. Miami, not much to watch for there. Dallas, kind of the same thing, unless someone on that team takes a step forward. That's not Luka, Tim Hardaway, or Josh Richardson. Atlanta, Clint Capella is the guy to watch, mostly because I want to know how many minutes he's going to play. Is he still stuck at 20, or is it up to 22, 23 in this ballgame? He's really close to being a must-start guy. It doesn't take him much more than 20 minutes to get to that point. Brooklyn, nothing really. You know, we saw the bench unit go nuts in that last ballgame. Anybody, is anybody going to step in and, and fill in for Spencer Dinwiddie? I would venture to guess the answer is probably no. For San Antonio, you're watching Derek White in his return, what that does to the other starters. Chicago, with a bunch of guys out again. We're keeping a close watch on Otto Porter. Nothing really to pay attention to with Milwaukee. Washington, no Westbrook in this one. I don't think you're really watching much 
there right now. The minutes for Davis Bertans, the legs for Davis Bertans, that's about it. Minnesota, a lot to pay attention to on that team. Uh, what is Anthony Edwards doing? What is Malik Beasley really going to do? Ricky Rubio, what is he? Can Nas Reed fill in for Cat? I would say to watch that game, but it might hurt your eyes, so I guess you don't have to. Phoenix-Denver. Phoenix in altitude on back-to-back Denver, again, without Michael Porter Jr., so that's something. They'll be uh, piecemealing it together a little bit on that Phoenix side. I think we have a pretty good idea of what to expect. They are kind of a starters team right now. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, uh, Jay Crowder, McCall Bridges, and uh, DeAndre Ayton. The Clippers, Zubats and Surge, that's what we're watching until Marcus Morris comes back. I'm not into Nick Batum. Utah, nothing. Portland, Nurk. How many more chances are we going to have to buy low? Golden State, Draymond comes back. There's something to watch. That should be a fun game. Blazers in, uh, not Oakland anymore, San Francisco. Take on the Warriors and uh, Steph and Dre. Oubre, is his buy low window going to expire in this one? Again, jumping over the betting stuff because a lot of that stuff has uh, begun already, so it's not going to be much use to you, but... I think it is useful to know what fantasy things I'm looking for in these ballgames. Saturday's card, Sacramento is in Houston for um, a second half of that rematch battle. That was a back-and-forth game. Houston ended up pulling it out late. Rockets are favored by 4.5, total of 235.5. Haven't had an opportunity to fully handicap this game yet. But if you look back at their previous one, Houston won at 122-119. to So that's a total of 241. Sacramento covered as everybody kind of came back from the injured list for the Rockets, the uh, the line came down a little bit in this ballgame, which feels accurate. Like, this this feels like a relatively accurate line. I would love to back the Kings again. Um, I, I don't know that I have the stones to do it. No line on that Thunder Orlando game yet. Knicks are in, in, are in Indiana. Uh, Pacers favored by nine, unless I'm crazy, and I'm rem- I- I'm trying to remember this. I think the Knicks and Pacers played in their opener. Indy was favored by seven and a half, and they won by 14. So this is actually a little bit of a rematch game. Uh, I like New York in that. I know they had a terrible one in Toronto, but catching nine, that's a lot of points. Charlotte in Philadelphia. Oh, by the way, the total is 214 in that ballgame. Charlotte's in Philadelphia. Sixers favored by nine and a half. Um, that's a relatively accurate number. Philly is a pretty damn good ball ball club. Charlotte is kind of all over the map in terms of what they're doing. They have nothing to deal with Joel Embiid at this juncture, especially with Zeller out. Not Biz, you Don't try to tell me Bismack's going to be that guy. I mean, same story for New York and Demonis Sabonis. That's probably why they got smoked on opening night. So uh, fantasy, well, let's finish up the betting card. Toronto by one and a half on the road in New Orleans against the Pelicans. That's a rematch game as well. Pelicans came back, beat Toronto in the season opener. That was back on the actual opening day. And then Cleveland is in Atlanta. Hawks favored by six and a half. This feels like a real letdown spot for Atlanta after back-to-back games against the Brooklyn Nets. They have to take on the uh, clunky Cavaliers on their own home court. That is uh, part of this. Everything on Saturday actually is a relatively early game. There's there's nothing on in the late evening. Fantasy-wise, what are we watching for? Well, the Sacramento front court is ironing itself out. Rashawn Holmes is hammer dunking on everybody. And so that by low window closed real quick. Rashawn now is number 32 in nine category format. So hopefully you were able to take advantage of that. Houston side, you're watching John Wall. He was really good, actually, in his first game back. You're watching Boogie, seeing how all the pieces fit together out there. That should be a fun ball game. I think I'd, I enjoyed watching the first one. I think I'd enjoy watching the rematch. 
Thunder, you're mostly just watching the starters. Orlando, sounds like Terrence Ross is back, so we have that that team pretty well handicapped right now. The Knicks, Alfred Payton, Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, those are the guys you're watching. Nothing really with Indy. You can watch to see who's filling in for TJ Warren, but I think we, we have a pretty good idea that everybody's going to get some stuff. Doug McDermott will get a few minutes. Aaron Holiday will get a few minutes. Charlotte, we'll see them play tonight, so I'm not super concerned about watching them again on Saturday. Philly, they're pretty easy to handicap. Toronto, you know, Siakam's back. What do we do with Norman Powell? I think I'm going to keep him benched until we have a good idea of what the hell his role is. Pelicans, I think you know who to start now. Josh Hart is in. Redick is out. Cleveland, yeah, you know him. Hawks, yeah, you know him as well. So pretty easy to handicap that Saturday card. And then on Sunday, uh, let's see if there's any teams that are playing Sunday that we haven't talked about yet. The answer is... Nope. No one playing Sunday that isn't playing on Friday or Saturday. Double-checking myself as I say it out loud. Yep, that's correct, and we don't have any betting lines on those games, so you'll just have to tune in to my Twitter feed if you want to know what I'm doing with my Sunday analysis. Whew, that was exhausting. Okay, I'm going to give my voice a break. Folks, this was our Friday end-of-the-week edition. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, this is how most Friday shows are going to go. I would love to try to get some hits in with our guy, Brew. Uh, we'll, we'll slot those in, and maybe some of this stuff will get trimmed in analysis just a little bit. Um, but this is, to me, this is a really useful way to kind of go into the weekend with plan of attack. Here's how we attack the weekend. Here's how we get ourselves ready. These are the players we're watching over the next couple of days. Because it's really easy to kind of lose touch with NBA, uh, the, the, the normal schedule. Weekends, we all have our other stuff going on. You get out of your routine, and then you miss things. So it's really important to plan ahead for what you're looking for the next couple of days. And then Monday, we do our reverse chronological lightning round, and we see what actually did happen. What did we learn? Did any of the stuff we were planning for shake out over the weekend? And we do it all over again. Again, folks, I am Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast these days. Happy New Year once more. Please do hit me up if you want to be a part of our gambling or our DFS teams. Twitter is the best way, but you can also email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Sign up over at mybookie.ag. And by the way, here's a free thing I'm asking you guys to do. Uh, drop a five-star review on the pod. We'd love to get a few more of those uh, as we head into 2021. Yep, we did it, guys. I don't know what we did, but we did it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys Monday morning, first thing. Sorry again about the late, uh, what do you call it? Release? I don't know. Whatever. Do I owe you an apology? Sure, I'll do it. Sorry about the late release. Thanks for sticking with us here. Back at you Monday. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.